Hey everybody, this is Brother Frank and welcome to another episode of the Remnant Call. Folks, listen, tonight's program is serious. Um, Everything is serious from now on. I don't truly know how long this program will continue to be uh, on the platform. You're hearing it tonight. We've been trying to remove, go over to Rumble, um, you know, but it's only a matter of time, folks, before everything gets shut down if you try to speak against this beast system. But we are going to continue to push forward no matter what they do, even though they are telling us to shut up, we are going to move forward with the gospel of Jesus Christ as long as the Lord will permit it. And I'll tell you, I can't think of anybody to have on this show better tonight than Brother Jamie Walden. I'm going to bring him in here for in just a second, but we're going to open with a word of prayer. Father, in the name above every name, Jesus, Yeshua, we thank you, Lord, for the blessings that you give us of this bastion, this little tiny bit, I should say, of freedom left in the United States, a freedom we so long enjoyed and enjoyed because of the sacrifices of uh, people who laid their lives down and the blessing of God. But Lord, now we have offended you and, and Lord, we repent of that. And Lord, we understand that this is a time that has been spoken of through thousands of years that this hour would come. And Lord, you are expecting us to do something about spreading this gospel. Lord, may we be laser focused in this hour on sharing the good news. Jesus is coming again. Lord, I ask that you would give myself the proper words and Jamie tonight on this program to edify your people in Jesus' name. Amen. With that, I'm going to bring on Jamie Walden to the remnant call. He is the head uh, over. He is a part of the Omega Dynamics. Sorry, Jamie, I'll say that right. OmegaDynamics.com website. You can go check him out. He's got a ministry. Uh, They're going on there in Colorado. And we're going to bring on a little bit. They've been doing a lot of stuff there. I've been kind of keeping little tabs here and there and, and always have a fun little accident or something like that to share. And I appreciate that. So, Jamie, are you here with me? Yeah, I'm here, brother. Thanks for having me on again, brother. Watching your updates is kind of like a rodeo, brother. You don't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. People are like, people are like, you guys should do a, like a a vlog or something or YouTube channel. I'm like, bro, I don't got time for that. And we're just working as hard as we can because we know God's people are coming, you know, and we're, we're building out this faith haven and this ministry here and trying to help people across the country, build out these faith havens. I'm like, it's, it's it's strictly business like redeem the time for the days are evil you know and we were talking off air about the lateness of the hour and it being like 1939 germany and you know i always tell people i've spoken on that a lot uh you can go to the national holocaust museum and look at the 10 indicators of impending genocide in the united states of america we have checked every single box in the last three years of the 10 indicator. They use this actually as a think tank. It's a global think tank and they actually move in uh, humanitarian aid into regions of the world. Once all of these 10 uh, precursors to impending genocide get, get um, checked. And I've spoken on it at conferences. We've hit every single one in the last three years. Here's the fascinating thing is that we all know it's a little stupid quip, but we all know what comes after 1939, right? I, Absolutely. It's 1940. 1940 is what comes after 1939. And it's, it's no holds bar genocide against the people of God. And it was the Jews first. And we know prophetically speaking, it will be the Christians and the Antichrist will rise up and he will make war against the saints and he will overcome them for a time. We know that he will wear out the saints. Uh, we know that many will be put to death because they refuse to grieve the spirit of God in them and recant the Lord. But at the exact same time, we also know that there are those who will overcome all of it by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony and not loving their lives so much as they're afraid to lose it. Cause they know it's hidden in Christ bought and paid for incorruptible, immovable, immortal, the blood of Christ Jesus himself. So anyways, yeah, that's Amen. what we got going on. Amen. And brother, I appreciate you setting up these folks. There are, God has uh, preparations all over the place. There is nothing that's happening in this world right now that it's going to catch him by surprise. 
The Lord didn't wake up this morning and say, wow, I can't believe that they set up, uh, you know, a speech czar now that's going to sit there and rule over what you say, whether it's right or whether it's wrong. Um, but the word is right now from the enemy from, and you are, trust me, you are an enemy because you believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the word right now is shut up because the devil's singing his lullaby and his lullaby means go to sleep and keep your mouth closed. But yet the Lord says we are to testify. We are to proclaim. We are to share that the good news to every living creature. That's the whole great commission, the absolute opposite of what the enemy is trying to tell us today. And I was share, Jamie, I'm going to, I'm going to share this quick story. I'd, I shared it earlier. I was reading, folks, just before, a little bit ago, about this powerful story of this uh, couple over in this Islamic uh, country. They were natives there. They were sharing how that God was moving in such powerful ways. They were seeing the Lord move like in the book of Acts. It's, it's just unbelievable. And Jamie can tell you, he's been over to some of these places, the way God has moved uh, in there. And I can tell you from being over in Africa, the, I, God moves in such uh, unbelievable ways. But Every morning when they got up, they would have to acknowledge to each other that this could very well be the very last day that they would see each other. Now, knowing that if she was caught, there would be rape and everything else and tortured to find the location of the husband. If the husband was caught, he would be beaten and tortured to find out the location of the Christians and everything like that. This, the, the cost of preaching the gospel meant their lives. Yet God was leading them, and they were talking about the holy dependence they had on the Lord for every single move they had to make. Now, in this story, though, they shared a very sad part, Jamie, and I, and I briefly shared some of this with you, and I want to share with the audience. They shared about they had had the opportunity to come to the United States a few some years back. It was before all this. Uh, their ministry currently was prior to this, and they had be given an opportunity to come to the U.S., but after being here for a short period of time, the wife started to complain and, and desire, and she wanted to leave. And the husband asked, why do you want to go back? She said, because there is this satanic lullaby that is playing here in the United States, and the Christians are asleep, and I feel like I am falling asleep. Let's go back. And they returned to their home country. And God began to work powerful. They, they had been given an opportunity to escape the persecution. And yet when they saw the dangers of living in a lethargic, uh, lukewarm, half-hearted society, they saw it as more dangerous, Jamie, than living over in this Islamic country where every day was life-threatening for them just to step out of their home, brother. Yeah, I've, I've seen it as well, too. I mean, it's it's such a sad state of affairs, but she absolutely uh, pegged it is is that we are we have been lulled to sleep by a satanic lullaby, which is why the Lord gives the command to the one of the letters of the churches in the book of Revelation to wake up. He says, wake up and strengthen what little left remaining. But if you don't, I myself will come and fight against you. I think like that is one of the most woeful scriptures ever is that the king of glory is literally talking to his church, his bride, a chosen people, a holy nation, a people all of his own, right? A royal priesthood. And he says, I myself am going to come fight against you if you do not wake up. And it, it goes back to like, uh, I can't remember if it's in Proverbs one or two about, about woe to the complacency, it, woe to the complacent and the complacency of fools destroys them. Right. And the Lord speaks woe over the complacent woe to you who feel secure in Samaria, you most notable men of the foremost nation, you know, and it goes on to talk about them lounging on their couches, literally like complacency and this narcissistic love of self to unto this lukewarmness is the greatest anathema to the king of glory ever, especially in the gospel dispensation. In the New Testament church that has the full revelation, right? This powerful thing that the angels long to look into and the prophets long to look into. And it says, it has now been made known to you. You now know for the, and this is the mystery of the ages, Christ in you, the hope of glory, right? This power of the resurrection, it's all been made known to you. You have any Bible freak show apostate translation you want to lay your hands on, you can get a hold of. You can study ad nauseum in every language under the sun. And yet, 
And yet, because of the love of the world and the things of the world, we have the form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. We're always learning, but never able to come an understanding of the truth. The way of truth has come into disrepute. It is disreputable to actually walk in the truth of the Lord, which is to fear the Lord and to serve him with all your might and to have eyes so fixed on a nation that is not yet your own to be so fixated on the kingdom, to be so fixated on the hope of glory and on the resurrection that you feel like such a foreigner and an alien elect exile of dispersion in this world. You're so fixated to walk in that truth has now come into disrepute. It's all about love the world and the things of the world. It's get yours and sprinkle a little bit of Jesus on it at the same time and you're all good to go. And truly, we have been sung to sleep by a satanic lullaby. By. And isn't it interesting that one of the chief attributes of Lucifer is that he was in charge of the worship of God, literally his physical, however God created him. I don't understand it. It was infused as a musical instrument unto the Lord. And so it is a lullaby that he sings like the Pied Piper. And it's interesting that everything is centered on this concept of word and of speech. And the reason being is because it is literally, I, I mean, I, th I think th this could be, uh, I guess my opinion, but I see it all throughout the word, the most powerful attribute of God in the physics of the cosmos that he created is sound. Everything is held together through super string theory, through harmonic resonance of sound. That's why literally the rocks cry out. The trees literally clap, clap their hands, right? And the, and the rivers and the streams do this. And, and um, he spoke the world into existence. He spoke light. He spoke this. He spoke this. He speaks dead man back to life. He, when he speaks, it is. And that's why we overcome the, the, the beast system by the word of our testimony, by the word of it. And it, it's making me think of Psalm 40. Um, I might misquote because I'm just thinking off the top of my head, but, but it's, it's David writing that Psalm. And, and he says, uh, he says, I, I, he goes, Laura, I've, I've not withheld your word from the assembly. I've not stored it up in my heart. As you know, O Lord, I have proclaimed your faithfulness and your love in the great assembly. I proclaim your justice and your righteousness to the people. He's like, you know, God, I haven't hid this in my own heart just for myself. I have proclaimed it. And there's nothing that strikes the dread of the Lord more into the hearts of the powers of darkness and to the reprobates than to proclaim the testimony of Jesus Christ. In fact, it's so powerful that that's all God has to do to strike dread over all of his enemies. Psalm two, right? Like, let us, uh, you know, come, let us uh, break their bonds and, and, you know, and, and throw off the yoke of his anointed one. And the Lord laughs and the Lord scoffs. And then he terrifies them in his wrath by proclaiming, by speaking, by making a known proclamation. I have installed my son in Zion, my holy hill. It's that's all he has to do is speak that. Wow. And, and that's the power of the word. That is the power of the Schumann resonance of all the earth is at an exact perfect harmonic resonance. And it's literally vibratorily through sound waves, glorifying God, glorifying God, glorifying God. You know, they have stuff coming back from these deep space, you know, probe things or whatever they're out there doing, saying that all of space has a harmonic resonance that's in this perfect frequency range that they can't conceive of how it's in that perfect frequency range. And it's like, because God spoke it and it's actually, re it's turning back towards him and glorifying him. That's why. Absolutely. So isn't it interesting that they want us to shut our mouths? I agree. And it, it, so here you're mentioning, it's, it's interesting. Think about this. That's first Thessalonians five, you know, talks about that, you know, the times and the season that Paul's like, I don't need to make you aware, you know, these, but he, he goes back in over it and he says, we are the children of light and the children of the day and are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep uh, in as, uh, excuse me, do others, but let us watch and be sober. So the command in the, in the end time and, and in following the Lord is to watch and be sober. Now, as Jamie folks talked about earlier, that Lucifer, uh, the devil being gifted with these pipes and worship and everything in his own scene. The interesting thing is God in Zephaniah, the Bible talks about in Zephaniah chapter 17, the Lord thy God 
in the midst of thee, he, of thee is mighty. He will uh, save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. Now, so the Lord sings. And the reason he's singing is actually, uh, it's, it comes after that, is why he's singing. He says this, I will gather those that are sorrowful for the solemn assembly who are of thee to whom the reproach of it was a burden. What, it, what the reason the Lord is singing is because he found a group of people that were so burdened with the sin, the reproach of this world that they had gathered together in a solemn assembly to seek the face of their God. And it causes the Lord to sing because they're awake in this hour. So the devil is trying to do the exact opposite, and he's trying to put us to sleep, tell us to shut our mouths. But the Lord's saying, be awake, be alive, be, be sober, you know, come together. He, these people, they're burdened. Brother, you were talking about how it, it just ruins your heart. When you see the modern day mega pastor, which you have some more knowledge than other people do of seeing these uh, circles of their absolute disregard for the truths of the word of God. And they're more content with their leadership training and their books that they read, but don't want to talk about the name of Jesus. Yeah, it's, it's, it's insane. You know, we, again, we were talking a little bit off air that, for me, the number one indicator of the lateness of the hour is not all the all the objective empirical data, right? Like increase in earthquakes, volcanic activity, you know, uh, uh, the technological advances and all these different things that people tend to point to to show the lateness of the hour. To me, the number one indicator of the lateness of the hour is the spirit of the church. The spirit mm. of the church is the number one indicator of the, of the hour. I mean, it, it almost... Literally every prophetic word speaking about the posture, the posture of the last church age believers in God, how truly apostate and lawless they become is, is on, is on stage for all to see right now. And what's crazy is it, it truly is all centered on a love of the world. Like it's insane how much they love the world. And so, so what that is an indicator of is that they have no concept of who their king is. They have no concept of the courts, the courts of the of the kingdom that they're that they have been bought into. They have no concept of the of the twelve hundred by twelve hundred by twelve hundred stadia city that's going to come down, whose gates are open, and they're going to be able to come into freely. They have no concept of Emmanuel, God with you. He, you will finally be His people, and He will be your God, and never will you depart from His presence. Like, what in the world does this world have to offer you that is so? whatever delicatessen that you would choose this over the king of glory, but somehow they do. They absolutely love the validation of men more than the validation of the world. They want the esteem of men more than the esteem of the Lord God almighty. They want relevancy before a reprobate uh, community and reprobate culture more than they want relevancy before the king of glory. And it's that the cosmic trade will say the cosmic forfeiture is insane. It is literally just like the Garden of Eden. Listen, you can, you, I will walk with you, Emmanuel, God with you in the garden. I will walk with Israel. I will be with you, Emmanuel, in the tent of meeting. I will be with you. And then they forfeit it. And then they forfeit it. And then the church age comes and we forfeit it. It's, it's insane. And you, you brought up a good point the other, or just a minute ago about, um, about the, the burden and the lament of the people. It's, it's interesting. I picked up on that a lot throughout scripture that the Lord has, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say this in a way that would lead somebody to like some like a self-righteousness, right. Or self-justification. There is no such thing apart from Christ. Right. But it specifically mentions numerous times about those who the Lord found weeping for the sins of the city. It talks about lot who is tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard in the city day and night. It talks about, you know, um, Jeremiah just, just being in righteous indignation undone, not even being able to speak because of the sins of his people, of God's people. And the Lord says, I see you. I hear you. In fact, I'm going to put a mark and seal upon your head. Ezekiel nine, he sends out the messenger with the satchel and he goes, put a mark upon the heads of those who you find weeping for the sins of the city. They are not to be harmed by these judgments, you know, and, it, and, and they I've been destroy everything else. Yeah. Yep. 
And I have been specifically told by the, what would be the mainstream Christian, you know, the, the normal, the normal American Christian is, um, I, you should never be sad. You should never be woeful. You should never, you should never have lament or woe. It's positive, encouraging K-love time all day, every day. And in fact, the number one fruit of the spirit is friendliness. Don't you know that Jamie, the fruits of the spirit can be all summed up in friendliness. And they actually have publicly rebuked me for being like, we need to repent. We need to repent as a nation. We need to repent as a people. We need to repent as an individual. We need to repent within our households because we have so grieved the spirit of the one true God. And so it's interesting to see just how far we have fallen and forsaken our first love. You're exactly right. And folks, the interesting thing is, is that now we see with the current news and, and everything else that's going on, I've just been bent on this free speech thing because it, it it's not that it's, it's not that it's in the world. I already seen that coming. It's that, well, let's say this, looking at the person that was nominated to take over this position is a documented biggest disinformation person ever. It's their video, her videos say it, they show. So the person they put in charge of, Keeping people from putting out disinformation is the biggest disseminator of disinformation out there. Now, the reason I've this has been troubling to me is because this is what's been going on in the churches here in the United States. This is what's going on from the pulpits in the United States. The pastors are no different than the leaders of the United States government in many churches because the gospel they're preaching is pure disinformation. It doesn't line up with the God. It doesn't tell God doesn't say to be friends with the world. We can't keep trying to make our churches so friendly or their, our fellowship so friendly that anybody could come in and, you know, come as you are and then stay as you are. Listen, God's come as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you as you are. That is the biggest lie and is believed to be a part of the doctrine of the Nicolaitans that because of grace, you can live however you want. When the truth is, is that when God gets a hold of somebody, regardless of their situation, that the transformational power of the spirit of the living God begins to change that person's heart, change their life, and doing that which they could, them, them, which they could never do, or the ministry of Christ was in vain. Like, why did, why did Christ come and die so you can live like the devil? There was no re- there would be, why would he come and do that? When God is specific about righteousness and holiness and living right, doesn't mean you don't sin, doesn't mean you don't mess up. Jamie and I were talking about that earlier. You know, we're, there's still sanctification that we need to go through, right? Amen. We, we fail, we mess up, we do things wrong, but we repent, we ask God to forgive us, and we don't justify an action because of God's grace. Instead, because of his grace, we ask for forgiveness. And we say, Lord, help me not to do this again that I may live pleasing in your sight. It's not to be saved. It's because we are saved. Folks, we, this is, I don't know how to, what else to say. Brother, you, you first of all ran into this you know, a good while back from what happened uh, last year, and I won't get into it here on the program to resurrect all that stuff, but just because you went and attended a certain event, your life got flipped upside down for a period of time. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, real real quick, I was thinking about this. I never even thought about the context of it till you just said it about this the church being the number one place of disinformation. It's it's that's a very awesome statement because it makes me think of Malachi, right? Last book of the Old Testament before the Lord went silent for over four hundred years, and the reason why he tells you why he says. Because the people have wearied me. They speak falsely on my behalf. They say, all who do, all who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord. And where is this God of justice? They were disinformation. They were hyper grace disinformation agents. And it was, that's why you see from every major and minor prophet is, what are the shepherds? What are the shepherds? What are the priests? What are the priests? What are the shepherds? What are the priests? Because they, this, because they, that, because they, this, you know, Ezra, he's like, when he saw the conduct of the leaders and the elders of the nation, he was appalled and he tore his clothes and he sat weeping before the Lord all through the night. Right. Again, there you go. There's that lament at the sin of the, at the sin of the people. Right. But yeah, anyways, I I think that's just a fascinating, powerful statement is that the church is the center of the disinformation. 
And unfortunately, we know that, again, going back to the prophetic fulfillment is they have the form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. Because the power of the gospel is the resurrection. And because of the resurrection and because of the redemption and because of the restoration, it is transformation. That's the power of the gospel in you is that you literally are transformed. You were this, now you're this. You were this, now you're this. You were this, now you're this. Now act like a son or daughter of the king. Feel the weight of the cloak on your back. Look at the signet ring on your finger. Don't you know what family you belong to? But we don't, right? We, we love the world and the things of the world again. Um, so yeah, anyways, shifting gear to the... the um, the lateness of the hour, this, the information and the, the cancel culture is bigger than what people understand because it is central. It is the central component to the B system is the removal of freedom of speech. People don't understand that, right? It, it is, it is um, housed within the context of AI, quantum computing, and threat fusion centers, of which there's seven across the United States of America. It's housed within the context of the uh, of the social credit scores, which was field tested by our by our tech companies in China, which has three times or four times the population of the United States of America. They they beta tested it in China because they already have a totalitarian government that they could implement it. Our tech companies wrote the code for all that. They've been doing it uh, cloak and dagger style uh, as a gray man through our tech companies currently in the United States of America. All the infrastructure is in place technologically for, get this ladies and gents, counterfeit omniscience and omnipresence counterfeit it's counterfeit they are trying to be as gods and they operate through technologies and through their fallen angel overlords and the principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places and the prince of the power of the airs this is the means by which they're going to operate and they will know whether or not you've given allegiance to the b system they will know whether or not you've you know received the mark whatever you know we have a lot of speculation as to what that could potentially be they will know if you speak out against the government if not you know i'm i'm a student of history i have a degree in history and all that kind of stuff Nazi Germany was able to, with pen and paper, detail every aspect of every German citizen's life. They knew who said what and who did what to the detail. If they overheard them complain about the price of food in the grocery store, they were snatched up in the middle of the night. And they were doing that. They were calculating that with pen and paper. Can you? Oh, and by the way, IBM computers. IB, computers were literally developed by IBM from Nazi Germany so that they could streamline the genocide of the Jews. Most people don't know that. That's where the punch card system for computers came from, was specifically created to be more efficient at mass murdering the Jews. Um, I digress. But it's important to know and understand the lateness of the hour because we have not spoke up. And when we had the opportunity, now they are telling us you will shut your mouth. And if you do open your mouth, it's going to cost you everything. So now is the time, brothers and sisters, that you must count the cost of being all in for your King Christ Jesus. You must count the cost. And the only way you can effectively count the cost is if you count the reward. You must know your identity secure in Christ. You must know the power and the sufficiency of the blood of Jesus over you, in you, and out through you. You must know the hope of glory to which you've been called. You must know the inheritance that's being kept in heaven for you, spotless and spoiled and fading. You must know the reward of those who endure to the end. You must count the cost but the only way to count the cost is when you fully know and understand the reward. And when you do, beloved, you will not fear your life so much as you're afraid to lose it. And here's a good word. Guess who's going to shut their mouth? I have it open in front of me right here. The upright see and rejoice, but all the wicked, they are the ones who will shut their mouths forevermore. And that's our hope. And that's what the day that we're longing for and in eager anticipation of. Praise God. Folks, that that is some truth right there. And and back, Jamie, what you said about the IBM and the Holocaust, folks, if you don't think that's true, go look up Edwin Black's book on IBM and the Holocaust and the punch card system. Um, where we are at today, the early stages of this was developed for some devilish things. And we are now the recipients 
of years of technology. And one thing I do know, that's technology. Uh, I, I own an IT company and I understand a lot of these things that are going on. And I often say to people, if you don't want somebody to know where you're going, oh, brother Frank, I got a VPN. Folks, you got to understand the power of AI and understanding algorithms and being able to pick up the way you surf and the things you check when you're not behind a VPN, when you've forgotten to turn it on. And they can detect patterns when you do have it on, even though it's encrypted. I'm trying to tell you right now, stay away from things you shouldn't be on. It's that easy. Simple as that. Because they are building profiles against us that they can pick up and know who you are and what you do and where you go and everything. And it's, it's just, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. The time is too short. And so folks be careful when you're out there, not to get sidetracked on it, but if you want to get me going down a, a rampage, let me tell you about the horrors of what's going on and tracking on the internet. Folks, we have software we can install into people's environments to find out if their employees are doing, I got stuff we put on there, take snapshots, does everything. I, you, you can't get away with anything. We've installed it into places and found out all their employees were sitting around watching Netflix all day when they thought they were out working. You know what I mean? And this is known software for me as an end user. What do you think the federal government has? What do you think they have? Technology to push through, to put on your computer that's undetectable. That's why all the most powerful technologies that detect and endpoint protection today is based solely on AI. Because nothing else can find it today. It has to work on algorithms that can detect a zero-day threats. Most yeah. And, let, and, and just to make it really clear for everybody, I was out in Washington, D.C. on January 6th last year and was praying and interceding, actually saved, uh, you know, by the Lord's leading and his grace two Capitol police officers lives who were who were uh, Antifa thugs were trying to murder them on the on the front steps of the Capitol building. So I was right there and all that mix was out there praying and interceding and um, and. Within five days of January 6th, I, I was living in Iowa at the time, two FBI agents showed up at my house within five days. There was 1.2 million people there. Like we have to, there was 1.2 million people there and they have the infrastructure and they have the technological know-how and they have the threat fusion centers and they have the AI algorithms. And these guys, because I was in federal law enforcement, I asked them, how in the world did you lock on to me? There was 1.2 million people. And why are you at my door? I was indignant. I was, I was pissed. And I said, why in the world are you? And I know your technological capabilities. So I know that you know that I didn't do anything. And in fact, you should be giving me a medal. That's what I told the, FBI, the agents when they came to the house. And they were like, oh no, we our, our technology is so insane. Like we can pick up one out of all the million people that were there. It picks up even a piece of clothing and it and it tracked you all the way from the second you left your house in Iowa. Like because of maybe a particular shirt you're wearing or a piece of, and it can sift through in milliseconds, sift through and say, that's who he is. And he said, that's why we're at your house within five days. And I mean, so anyways, the, the depth to which this cancel culture thing and this uh, speech star and all that, it is a big deal. And notice the only speech and the only organizations that they wanted to shut down during the during the pandemic and that they want to shut down now is the authentic Christian proclaiming the name of Christ and him crucified and the coming yes. of the king of glory. That is the only thing they must shut down. But here's what you're going to see, ladies and gents. You're going to see this very distinct. We already started seeing it with the pandemic and with all the all the wokeism, progressive Christianity, all these all these reprobate, uh, you know, big show guys out there that are so have are just outright wolves in sheep's clothing is that you will see an official state sponsored church arise and be bolstered and undergirded by the government. And it will be explosive. I insert any seeker friendly NAR movement, Bethel Hill song, you name it. They are going to be only ever increasing because they're already completely sold out to these systems. And they actually are a mechanism by which to present to you a half truth, which anything that is a half truth equals a lie of the gospel. So it leads you to a false sense of security 
in uh, in do-gooderism or in social justice things, but it's totally devoid of the power of God and it's trans- a transformative relationship when you authentically come into Christ Jesus and Christ Jesus comes into you as he is in the Father, right? So, so you're going to see this this sifting increase at warp speed, the wheat from the tares, the sheep from the goat, the dark from the light, the sons of disobedience from the heirs of a promise and on and on and on and on it goes. This sifting and its division is going to begin occurring in breakneck speed. And those who will not cease to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ, it, again, it will cost you on this side of eternity, but you're, the reward is incomprehensible it's not even worth comparing to the glory that's going to be revealed so that's that's what we have in our near future to say the least yes and folks it i i'm going to say right now um i'm older if i had to go back into the marine corps today i don't i i I would be tired by the time i got off the yellow footprints in paris island Probably, uh, you know, I'm older. I don't move as fast anymore. I'm, I mean, I'm only 48, but still, I'm, I'm, I'm not looking forward to what I know is coming in the word of God. I'm not excited about it. You know, the Bible says that the day of the Lord is it, it, woe unto those who desire it. It's a bad time. Okay. And, but nothing brings about holiness faster than persecution. I don't like it. I'm not excited for it. But the Lord said he's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. And I believe that he meant what he said in his word. One thing I have learned that this Bible is going to be way more literally fulfilled than people could have ever imagined. It's going to dumbfound us. I believe at times. Because many of the commentaries, many of the things through the years, they were interpreted prior before the interpretations by the spirit of God were fully made real. And they only could see spiritual things. But today we now see things that that look solid interpretations, maybe 100, 150 years ago that we see today now literal. And that doesn't necessarily make the spiritual null and void, but we see now literal things coming to pass. That couldn't believe. Nobody believed, Jamie, that back in the mid-1800s, when a lot of this stuff, they're in the Great Awakenings and everything, that Israel would actually physically become a nation again. Nobody believed that. They couldn't see it. It was, it was impossible for them to re- – they believed it was all spiritual stuff until, you know what? It actually became just what the Lord said it would. And, brother, I'm telling you, I, I'm convinced that we're going to see some stuff, and we're going to look in the Bible and say, I – Wow, God, you actually told us exactly to a T how it was going to happen. And that's how it happened, folks. The things the Lord's been talking about, you will see them shortly. And actually, they are already coming to pass. And we better wake up. Brother, I'm asking, I know we're getting close to time right now. Um, I know that the Lord has had laid this uh, faith havens on your heart um, to do. Um, brother, what is the driving force of really doing this right now? Yeah. I mean, actually it's, it's just being awake and alert and sober minded, like the scriptures command us to, to be in eager anticipation of the, of the Lord's return. And, you know, we, I, we can't have that Neo-Babylonian blindness that doesn't see the handwriting on the wall. And the church is the one sitting around drinking out of the golden vessels of the Lord saying he'll never do anything, neither good nor bad. That's exactly what Israel was saying, right? Like it's literally exactly what the church is saying. And when you read all the scriptures regarding the last church age, it is the same exact posture for the last church age. Um, so the Lord's burdened me to, to uh, um, being aware and being awake is, you know, the, the Marine Corps background and the other things that I've done is you train for the fight that you're not yet in. And you prepare for the fight that you're not yet in. And the Lord Jesus Christ said, I've told you all these things ahead of time so that you will not be caught unaware. He literally says, there's a reason why I gave you Matthew 24, Luke 21, Mark 13, the book of Revelation, Daniel, you know, Jeremiah 50, 51, Ezekiel 39. Like he's like, I told you all these things, ladies and gents, ahead of time so that you will not be caught unaware so much so that the spirit of Christ is a spirit of prophecy. You know, so much so that God, when he's rebuking Israel is like, listen, this is who I, I tell you everything before it happens so that you know that I am who I say I am. Can your idols do that? Right. He's like going down the list. Like, can they tell you this? 
this? Can they tell you that? No, I do. Why? So that you would fear, so that you would put your hope in me, so that you would rest in me, so that you would have a refuge in me. It's all of it combined, right? And so the Lord has burned me to, to literally prepare for his people to continue to operate and advance the gospel in hostile territory, to, to prepare for lack of a better word, to be the church in an underground capacity. And that's not underground, literally, maybe, maybe it could be, but underground more than anything is actually with your digital footprint, because we know what's coming. You will not be allowed to function in any sphere of society, most importantly, economically, we know that that's coming. They've told you they're making lists. Hillary Clinton said they're making lists. Ocasio-Cortez said they're making lists. One of the other reprobate Democrats said they're making lists. You better take them at their word, ladies and gents. So we prepare now like, like the, the, the other um, European citizens in 1936, 37, 38. They see the handwriting on the wall. They start putting the hidden rooms in. They start putting the cellars in. They start networking and creating the underground railroad for the people that they know are going to be in mass refugee status. You know, they, they, they could see what was getting ready to happen to the Jews. They heard the rhetoric rhetoric. Um, listen, DHS, number one threat, evangelical Christians who believe in the end times, FBI, number one threat, evangelical Christians who believe in the end times. They are telling you who is the enemy's HVT, most high value target. It's the marked and sealed blood bought authentic believer, not the apostate. They don't care about the apostate ones. They care about the ones that are authentic. And they said, we're coming for you. And here's the reality is, Guess what that means for us? Nothing. Nothing changes. Not your commission and your standing before a holy God does not change. He has called you by name. He has chosen. He has foreknown you for this generation. He says, you go and you advance and you do with honor, courage, and commitment. Uh, those who are wise in the Lord will turn many back to righteousness in that day, Daniel 12. Those who know their God will do ex will be strong through the Lord and go forth and do exploits, which means daring feats of valor. There is a mission set and it does not change no matter how hostile the territory gets. So that's been my burden is how God awaken your people to be prepared not to hide to save their own flesh. Are you kidding me? Dude, the last thing in the world I want to do is preserve one more day on this earth. Are you? That's insane. I hope a nuke drops in our general vicinity in Colorado. So me and my family can go home to glory with the, the Lord instantly without all the other suffering and all the other things that come attached to it. I don't prepare because I want to preserve my life. I prepare for my brothers and sisters and I prepare for those who are yet to receive the good news that Christ Jesus, when they were an enemy, came and died for them that he might call them friend if they would just believe that he is who he said he was. So, um, yeah, I know that's a long winded answer to no. say that we're, we're trying to set up these faith havens and really get people networked for the underground railroad for the body of Christ. There's going to be mass, mass, mass refugees. And I've seen that and I've dealt with them and they were all Christians in Northern Iraq. Mm -hmm. And and I was in a place where 250,000 refugees got pushed into one corner and ISIS was surrounding them, getting ready to wipe them all out. And we prayed and prayed and prayed and sought the Lord and took up literal arms and went to the front lines. And, and, uh, and the Lord did a mighty work. He did a mighty work over there in Northern Iraq. So I I've, I've seen what that looks like and it is not pretty. And so it's like, the Lord has called us by name to be ambassadors of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And I quote Psalm 112 all the time, you know, blessed are those who fear the Lord and whose delight is in his commands. There we go. That removes 99% of the church given Barna's uh, most recent polls. They do not love the word of the Lord. Right. Uh, he says, you know, they're, they, they will never be surely light dawns in the darkness for the upright. They will never be shaken. Their hearts are steadfast. They have no fear. Their hearts are secure. They do not fear. That's who we are in Christ Jesus. And so my burden is like to just call up my brothers and sisters to just be reminded over and over and over again to your heart sings that it is true of who you are in Christ alone. Because when you know who you are in Christ alone, you have no fear 
because God's perfect love has cast it all out. You've been perfected by God's love. You have no fear. You do not fear death because it has been conquered. Where's its sting? Where's your victory? You do not fear. You do not love your life so much as you're afraid to lose it because it's hidden in Christ. Nobody can take it from you. It's like when you know these things, you will be among those who has a knowing of your God. And he will fill you with this strength, with an outpouring of the spirit and a fire that we can't even comprehend. And you will go forth to his glory and perform daring feats of valor for his name's sake. And all the while, you'll be turning many back to righteousness. Amen. So praise, that's praise God. <laughs> that, that's what I got on my heart. <laughs> hey, I, I'm, I'm there with you. I praise God for that. Folks, I, I want to just say this and as we're closing here that you've never if you've never experienced bringing somebody to Jesus, then I'm telling you folks, you've never lived it, it to see somebody go down in those waters of baptism, to give their heart to the Lord, to surrender everything. It, it, I don't know of any greater feeling in life. I, I've shared here before. I've had the privilege of baptizing you know, my, I was in the baptismal tank with my first daughter and, and I got to baptize my second daughter myself. And um, I can't think of any greater joy, but I, I shared this story one time. There's one particular story that just still gets me. And this is uh, a friend of mine whose mother came to the Lord very late in life, brother. And I was able to be a part of this with, with God. And, and I would go over night after or week after week, and I would study the word of God. And Jamie, she was the greatest Bible study candidate ever because she had no knowledge of the Bible. So we just read it. Like we, I didn't need to indoctrinate. We just opened it up and read all the great stories of the Bible. It was wonderful. She was experiencing, actually learning the word of God. She passed away and died. And I was doing the funeral and the two sons, which uh, were just a little bit older than me. And uh, all they did was came up on there and they held me and they hugged me. And all they could talk about was about their mother coming to Jesus. It was the only thing that mattered to them. Folks, the only thing that matters in this life is bringing people to Jesus Christ. And if you haven't made your commitment yet to Jesus, if you haven't surrendered your life, I want to encourage you to get down on your knees and to seek his face and to cry out to him and ask him to forgive you for what you've done. And God will change your life and your heart and he will make a difference. And then you would turn too. You don't have to wait till you've been all the schools and training and all this stuff. You also will get to play a part in sharing that news with others. And Jamie, I know you can testify what it's like to see somebody actually give their life to Christ. Brother, is there a better feeling out there? No, it's amazing because you you know, you know that it's an eternal soul you know, and you know that the fellowship in that moment in time that you have will never cease from everlasting to everlasting. It's like, we are united for all of eternity in Christ. Like you are a brother, you are a sister, you are a family member. And one day we're going to love each other in full. And it, it is, it's, it's just powerful. I just recently was at a, spoke at a conference in Dallas and um, had the, just such the blessed humbling, just joy-filled honor of baptizing about 15 people in the pool in this really nice hotel in Dallas. Uh, just like, Hey, who wants to be baptized? Go meet me at the pool. And, um, there was this, this brother there, this big brother, and, um, he's big old swole dude, uh, African-American guy. And, and, and he, he, I've never, never actually seen the joy of the Lord on somebody till I met him. Like he was un done by the fact that he was now saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh my! And he would, he was his usual, like Hulk and do big old swole bro. And he was like, he was out of his mind with joy out of it. Like, I was like, bro, you're getting like, he was weeping, sobbing with joy. And I'm like, bro, you're like, 
you, you got to take a breath, man. Cause I might, you might drown while we're baptizing you. And, and he baptized him. He came out of the water. Like he shot out of the water, just like, Rah! like on cloud nine, he ran out of that pool. This is a, a really nice hotel, right? Like a, like an event venue hotel thing. He's running around the hotel, runs out the doors of the hotel, falls on his knees in the grass in front of everybody, unrestrained joy and sat there on his knees in the sunshine. Hallelujah. I can't get the picture. And he praised God with all his might for half hour, 45 minutes by himself, just praising God, praising God. He couldn't believe that he was oh, saved. He couldn't hallelujah. believe that God saved him. Hallelujah. And I was like, oh my goodness, Lord, don't let me ever forget the power of your gospel. Cause I just saw it on that man's face. Don't ever let me forget that. That was the most beautiful experience I've ever had yet as a believer was watching that guy come out of the water like that. So cool. Brother, you just took me to church. Thank you so much. Praise the name of Jesus, folks. Praise the name of God. It's awesome to see somebody be transformed like that and to see the power of conviction fall. It's unlike anything you've ever experienced. And to know that person has went from, from death unto life. It's why we do this thing. It's what makes us want to share the good news is because souls and lives are transformed. This show, I, I love doing it. But at the end of the day, if you're not bringing people to Jesus, we're just, we're running in circles. Yeah. We're running in circles. So, brother, thank you. Hallelujah. If I heard nothing else but that story at the end tonight, brother, so my cool. day has been. I can't, I can't get it out of my mind. It was, it, I mean, I've never seen somebody embrace, like I thought he was going to kill people or the way he was embracing people with <laughs> so much unbridled joy and like instantaneously transformed, like just powerful. So cool. Praise God. Brother, thank you so much, folks. I appreciate you being here with us. This is what it's all about. Yes, we're in the end times. Yes, they're trying to shut us down, but God will be glorified. I promise you that. It's in his word. His word is not in vain. And the work that he begun in us, he will finish it. Brother, thank you so much for coming on tonight. You can keep up with what's going on with Brother Jamie on uh, OmegaDynamics.com, but also on your Facebook page. Is there any other thing they should check out to keep up with your ministry, brother? Uh, no, no. I mean, it's OmegaDynamics.org. Oh, uh, org. Go, Sorry, get a hold yes. of me there. No, that's fine. And uh you know, working on building out the website for this uh, base camp that we now are, we have a, uh, a Christian um, retreat and training center out here in Colorado. And uh, like I'm building it out as a faith haven, um, a couple of different levels of things going on out here, but as a faith haven and a place to train other people, even to build up faith havens, but it's a place to grow your roots down deep in your identity in Christ. And we're, mm. it's called a Calico Buffalo base camp is what we're calling it. So Amen. Uh, yeah, we well, I'll get the website up here and running pretty shortly on that as well. And we'll keep you all in tune to that brother. God bless you. This is brother Frank and brother Jamie Walden on the remnant call saying to everybody, good night and Shalom. Come. Blow a trumpet in Zion, someday on the mountains. Blow a trumpet in Zion, for the day of the Lord is come. Blow a trumpet in Zion, someday.